0: Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Every two weeks, Steve and Clem bring you brief investment insights you may not find anywhere else. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here are Steve and Clem. Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing. I'm Clem Miller, and today we're going to talk about Federal Reserve meetings and soothsayers. Steve and I will dig into the recent meetings and how they might affect markets. When the Fed meets, which is really about 10 times a year, they're trying to satisfy their dual mandate. So what is this dual mandate? Uh, It's this uh, mysterious uh, full employment, however they might define it, and inflation control, uh, which uh, they've said is uh, roughly keeping inflation to roughly around 2% uh, per year. Um, they use the interest rate level and quantitative easing and other tactics to help the economy achieve how they what they define as success. Um, there's always one element, which is always present, which is prognostication. Everyone likes to play predict what's next. So, Steve, do you lose sleep during the week of Fed meetings? No. And why is that, Steve? Fed
1: meetings are a way to fill time on finance TV between crypto and meme stocks. No, really. The Fed plays an important role in the markets. It's just unlikely that the prognosticators could be weighing anywhere near the data provided by the Federal Reserve System. There are 12 regional banks, each staffed with economists and professionals, to evaluate how the local economy is doing. Five of the regional bank presidents joined the seven board of governor members in a rotating basis. The system of regional banks was designed to represent the uniqueness of the different areas. The New York Fed has a much different business mix than the Dallas Fed. They are using the latest government data and they have use of any international economic research to inform their decisions. I have a hard time thinking that some of the reporters or strategists have anywhere near the information to evaluate and make a completely informed decision. I'm reminded about the Teddy Roosevelt quote about the arena: "It is not the critic who counts; credit belongs to the man in the arena. If he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those among the timid and cold souls." Who know neither victory nor defeat. <laughs> That's quite a quote, Steve. Uh, so yeah, it might be too much for the Fed, but I I, I believe that <laughs> people in the room are making the decisions, and people outside the room can't really say
0: whether it's good or bad. Right. So so really, does the Fed really get the job done in terms of helping the economy?
1: Um, I think it's interesting how. Even though the Fed sets these rates, the market will also tell you from the prices uh, on some of the futures that uh, they disagree. So I think that there is a constant battle between the market and um, the Fed. One, future prices for different time periods in the market vary from what the Fed thinks the rate should be. Fed works on a basket of common goods which may not be the retiree or younger person's actual expenses. So when they say they got it to 2%, that's 2% for a certain group of the economy. Um, The Fed has a new goal, number three, of transparency. And it's very hard when they don't have great models or a track record. Um, These goals of transparency sometimes become just as obfuscating as the uh, prognosticators. And last item is interest rates are a very blunt tool, and everybody likes simple answers. So when we say the Fed's increasing rates or decreasing rates, it gives somebody an idea that more liquidity helps the economy, less liquidity slows the economy down. It's really a lot more complicated than that, Clem, but that's what people like to believe. So US regulators and the Fed have struggled when inflation matters, and when it will be sticky. We value certainty, and markets are forever reminding us that the more things change, the harder predicting becomes.
0: Yeah, but still you got all these folks uh, on television opining about uh, the Fed, and it really makes for a lot of um, sometimes interesting and sometimes boring television. So what, what frustrates you really with the Fed hysteria? Well,
1: I, I'm a quantitative guy, and I believe that you got to measure. If you say that you did predict something, how did your prediction, you know, how did it come out? There are no metrics on any of the prognosticators. They all claim authority, but they haven't shown any familiarity with the measurement concept. When there is a surprise, all previous guarantees are suddenly forgotten. Prediction is hard. These people want to be able to make the claims of expertise when I think knowledge is what they should be providing. The Fed acts, in this case, for this reason. At this point of the interest cycle, the market response is positive because lower rates indicate a better operating environment for business. That's what I'd like them to be saying. I think when they say, the Fed is loose, the Fed is easy, the Fed is guaranteeing markets, good returns. Those are all pretty bombastic statements that I think could all use a little bit uh, more refining. And I'd just like them to talk to us uh, like adults and not try to treat us with one, one word or eight second uh, blurbs.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately uh, you need some degree of market expertise to be able to interpret this and you know, you have a lot of folks on TV who are, you know, thinking about this from the perspective of being TV stars, uh, more than anything else. Um, so, so Steve, yeah, the task is hard, but, you know, we do have to admit that the fed has a lot of resources to fix things. I mean, they have what hundreds of economists working for them. I mean, they, they should be able to have some success in being able to, uh, uh to control uh, inflation keep the economy going sure they've been doing uh you know sure the results so far have been pretty good uh but you know in past years past decades they haven't been so good so uh the task is hard what do you what do you think about um their ability to actually achieve success in in uh in fulfilling their mandates
1: yes i think they have a lot of resources um but One incident that really sticks in my craw was during COVID. We saw the underside of the Fed. Three governors engaged in large personal trades while they were in the process of deciding how to react to the COVID crisis. As a professional, our firms and our industry certification, for example, the CFA, require a basic level of ethics. At various banks, I was not allowed to take anything beyond a glass of water when attending industry events. There can be no signs that what you are doing performing in the best interest of clients. Trading is pre-approved and controls are significant. The Fed governors argued that there was no system, so they didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing illegal. The term is front-running and they had significant information advantage. And by information advantage, they were the ones making the decisions. All three decided to resign and retire versus go through a review of the trades. We've seen a similar situation with Clarence Thomas and his vacation with billionaires. We see congressmen, Congress, both Congress and senators trading and having an unusual amount of success with companies who happen to be in front of them um, on their committees. So these are complicated dilemmas, but these are common sense. What do you think about this, Glenn?
0: So first of all, Steve, I'm, I'm very surprised that, they, that you were only allowed to take a glass of water. Um, at least they should have uh, allowed you to take a donut or a cup of coffee or something um really beyond that you know i i think it's you know i agree with you that it's really common sense to avoid conflicts of interest and it's so important uh to put rules around around uh, conflicts of interest to try to avoid that i have many you know in the industry you know we not only have uh, regulations that are imposed on us, but we have ethical obligations uh, through our um, CFA and others through their CFP program and so on. Who um, And the whole idea behind this is that we're interested in uh, promoting the welfare of our clients, of our customers, uh, and not our own personal uh, interests. Uh and uh obviously for example, Clem.
1: I, I used to have to report my son's college account and whenever I traded. I mean, I had four thousand or five thousand dollars in the account and the trades were usually a thousand or two. Uh you have Fed governors trading millions of dollars a day or two before their meeting announcement. I mean, I, I don't think this is accidental. I don't think it's, you know, um small and insignificant so therefore if it has size and it has you know obviously an an influence on how much you trust these people and i think trust matters
0: yeah i mean just i know that there have been um mutual funds or etfs that have been created around the idea that you invest with uh you know, where Congress is investing their money, right? Where Congress people are investing their money or against where Congress people are investing their money. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, Congress could be, you know, you could assume that Congress is doing the the right thing by markets and invest, you know, where they're investing, what the stocks and industries where they're investing, or you could make the assumption, the alternative assumption that they don't really know what they're doing. So I don't know you know, I don't know how the market or me as an investor uh, can use information about where policymakers are going with their own trades. I just don't want them to make their own trades in connection with policymaking.
1: Yeah, I think as a CFA, we have a code of ethics and we're trying to perform, you know, for the best interest of our clients. And if I look at congressmen, I think they should be trying to make the best what's in the best interest of their constituency, not in the best interest of their brokerage account. That doesn't seem like a lot to ask.
0: That's right. So obviously you're skeptical about the Fed. As am I. Question is whether our skepticism uh, really turns into, you know, cynicism. What do you think, Steve?
1: Um. I'd just like to finish with a a very simple concept. Um, Ethics and leadership need to be more automatic versus reactionary. I don't think the Fed should have to, you know, figure out or the Supreme Court should have to figure out that there's a potential for a conflict of interest and they need to, you know, observe some rules. They should be following the law is a very minimum bar. Not all you need to satisfy. I think you need to, you know, believe everyone is watching. The three governors quietly left the institution, but the institution has suffered some lack of trust. Trust loss can take a lot longer to regain. All Congress and government employees with non-public information need to behave better. Period. Drop mic. As we have seen with the Binance and FTX fines matter. The lack of a clear instruction on trading should not mean there are no rules. There needs to be a basic level of responsibility which comes with a greater power and authority. Yes, regarding this situation, I am cynical that there is not greater outcry or, or a desire to improve.
0: We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying our episodes. If you are, then we'd greatly appreciate your liking, following, and sharing. Help us help others. Now let's get back to the discussion. So Steve, um, what do you think about the direction of Fed rate policy? You know, to the extent we can even know that. And does that environment create opportunity in certain asset classes
1: yes Clem I I believe that we can talk about direction and we can talk about generally tightness or looseness I don't want to be the one that says there's going to be 50 basis point of cuts or 75 basis point of cuts I think that presumes a, a greater degree of uh, skill and knowledge I think we're going to be higher for longer because I think that rents and some of the Inflation is going to be a little stickier. Um, I think that inflation is a slippery snake to tame. Savings, delinquency on cards, and higher rents will continue to challenge consumers. So I believe that the rates will probably stay a little higher longer, and I think the market will react in somewhat of a negative manner.
0: So, Steve, uh, you know, in some future episodes, we're going to be talking about, you know, the election year, obviously. Uh, But at this point, do you see anything happening this year that would affect uh, the Fed?
1: I really don't. Um, I think that the Fed will try to step aside, as they always have, and try to be apolitical. I think that's like trying to ask a person, you know, to be without sin. It's, It's not really possible. I think that people are naturally going to do things that are in their best interest. And if it means the Fed, Powell doesn't want to do something because he's coming up for, you know, reappointment. Uh, Unfortunately, I think that they're all appointed with the idea that they don't react to what and they don't influence politics. So I believe that there's probably a pretty big instinct on their part. If they're going to cut, they'll cut once or twice. In the beginning, in March and April, and then once the economy gets hot and heavy with the conventions in June, I think that we will see them go go to sleep for a little while and then wake up in December again with potentially, you know, when the election's over. So I don't know. I think the bond environment currently creates an opportunity. Bonds are better right now with the rates probably at their peak. Stocks have done well. Paying taxes is usually a good thing, my father, the CPA, used to say, because it makes means you're making money. I, I think it's a good opportunity for people to stabilize on a certain percentage in their asset allocation, and we'll see what happens. I think that there's a, a chance that the equity market will correct a bit, and there's a chance that you know bonds will stay strong and represent a more reasonable part of your allocation than it did when rates
0: were zero. So, Steve, we got a question in uh, our mailbag. Um, What investment opportunities do you two see in fixed income? And uh, let me answer that first, and then uh, I'll turn it over to you. So, you know, right now, as it stands, uh, I don't have any fixed income in the portfolio. I do have cash in the portfolio, um, but no fixed income. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not. 100% hundred percent convinced that long-term rates, long-term yields are going to come down fast. Um, even you know with the Fed reducing short term, uh, assuming they do, uh, I think there are a lot of variables outside Fed control that affect long-term yields. and really it's um, you know it's it's t- the 10-year yield, um, the five-year yield, the even longer yields than 10-year. Uh, that affect uh, what happens with the, with fixed income returns. So right now, I'm not convinced that I should be in uh, fixed income, but I'm watching the the situation. And you know, it's uh, it's quite possible I could. Uh, it's not something I totally take off my radar screen. But at the moment, I think there's uh, plenty of opportunity in equities. Um, and uh, and I see cash as uh, as right now a better alternative uh, than fixed income.
1: Okay. Um, I, I tend to be more conservative, I guess, in my asset allocation. And I, I've looked at the different cutoffs. And right now for my long-term assets, I'm about 20% in fixed income. And I'm looking at corporate bonds as an interesting spot. I believe that some of our companies are becoming bigger um, than nations. And so their balance sheets can accomplish a lot of things, least of which would be paying interest on their bonds. I truly believe there are more AAA companies than there are countries. Government should learn from business. And likewise, there should be a share in the research among our universities and agencies. That's kind of a long way of saying that I think corporate bonds represent a good opportunity. And I think it's something that people should um, think about because uh, I believe that a lot of these companies have, I would say, pristine balance sheets, and therefore, you know, in the in the bond space, I think there's a very good chance that they're not not going to default. So, um, let me just summarize, and then I'll ask you for your final comments, Glenn. In summary. Um, When we think about the Federal Reserve, we realize, one, they have considerable power and resources which they put towards making their decisions. Ultimately, that power and resource should go towards the benefit of the people on Main Street and the people on Wall Street. Um, Two, I think investment allocation should be set with rates moving plus or minus 1%. I think when we try to make each quarter point move be this significant event, I think we might be putting too much on our forecasting ability. Three, laws and regulations need to improve for insider information use and misuse. I think the Fed, just like anyone else, and there needs to be reasonable rules applied so that people don't do things that are you know, unethical or improper. And I I think it should be understood, but if it's not understood, then we need to stiffen up the laws and regulations. And the last item is, I think you build an allocation for your needs and your comfort level, not for Fed meeting madness. It's about you and this is your money. And I think the Fed is one variable in the long list of variables that you need to consider. But bottom line is, your investments need to satisfy you. They don't need to satisfy any prognosticators' views of Fed going wild or Fed going passive. So, what are your uh, comments, Kellen?
0: Well, uh, Steve, I think you know when I look at how folks evaluate the Fed, you know the talking heads and how much emphasis they put on Fed decisions, it almost reminds me of, you know, communism and the Soviet Union and how folks would put emphasis on five-year plans and state control and and so on. And I think, you know, we have to realize that even though government plays a big role in modern society, and the modern economy, you know, this is not... This is not state planning we don't have the Fed planning the economy It's just not the case they may influence the economy um, the economy influences the Fed too so I don't think that folks should be putting as much emphasis on the Fed uh, as a you know state planning organization. Uh, you know I think people should look at the Fed as just one, actor, albeit an important actor uh, in the overall economy. And, um, you know, I would just say one more thing and just go, going to your point about investment allocations being tied to large rate moves. I, you know, I totally agree with that. Um, and I would go even further to say that, you know, a lot of these, you know, as you mentioned, transparency is a big uh, element in Fed uh, making now. You know, when the Fed communicates in advance uh, that there'll be Fed rate moves, uh, then, you know, when they actually do it, it's not gonna move markets. It will have moved markets, you know, a long time ago. So I'm not sure there's there's that much more uh, information that available that comes out of a Fed decision uh, that hasn't already been anticipated by smart market actors.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very complicated, and I'd say the average investor doesn't needs to turn the TV off when they start talking about Fed meetings. I'm not sure the average investor is getting a benefit from it. So, I, I think you respect it and you use it as a data point, but um, I think the uh, the soothsayers about the Fed need to be um, to have the volume turned off or the channel changed.
0: So, <laughs> so. Uh, so everybody, um, you know, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening today. Uh, we really appreciate your uh listening to this podcast and to all of our other podcasts. And uh and we look forward to uh your tuning in uh for our next podcast.
1: Thank After you very much, Steve.
0: Bye. Bye. The views shared on this podcast represent the personal investment views of the hosts. They are for educational purposes and not meant to be taken as investment advice. Listeners should consult their own investment, legal, and tax advisors. Past performance of any investments is not a guarantee for future return.